Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. Today, we will go back to NFTs. Uh, this time, we will see them from the perspective of the travel industry, while last time we kind of introduced them generally. If you live at the intersection between the travel industry and Web3, which means if you work in the travel industry and you know about Web3, you are right now in a great position because most of the things which we will do with Web3, and let's talk about NFTs specifically today, most things which we will do with NFTs in the travel industry haven't been done yet. They haven't even been dreamed of. So we are standing, and I put myself too into this category, we are standing kind of in, you know, in the Manhattan of the early, maybe 19th century. And we know that we cannot go back. So we're not going east. We're not looking at the ocean, but we are looking at west. And if somebody comes to you and says, okay, good, NFT is in travel, great. What can we do? Give me, give me an idea. Give me a map of where I have to go. And the answer is like, there's not Google Maps for it. You know, there's just an idea that you have to go west. And we kind of know that there are mountains there and lakes over there. And then that is a long trip. And there are some kind of dangers, but we don't know where they are, blah, blah, blah. So we basically don't know much about this, right? What we can do and what I'm trying to do here is to tell you, okay, west is the right direction. There are riches at the other side. And there's a lot of to learn on the way there, and it's actually also pretty dangerous if you're not prepared. So no, there's no car rental, there's no Google Maps, there's no flight, there's no hotels on the way. It's uh, uncharted territory. You are not the first. Uh, there's People have gone that way. There's a few maybe forts on the way. There's uh, some camps. You know, you, you won't be the first to go there, but you know, you just get out a little bit of the main road and you're going to be the first. So, yeah, good luck with that. I'll try to give you a very basic overview of what I've learned so far. And then and then you're on your own. Or better, we are together because there's another thing you can do in Web3 and in exploration in general. You can go alone or you can team up with people and, you know, try to get there. It's, it's a caravan, isn't it? So back to the basics for a second before we start the journey. I show you an image and I tell you this is an NFT. Is the image the NFT? No, the NFT is not the image. The NFT is a token. And what is a token? A token is something which stays on the blockchain and you are the only person who can move it because you have your private keys in your wallet. So your token, your NFT, is not actually in your wallet because all you have in your wallet is this secret phrase or secret sentence or whatever secret string, basically your private key, which allows you to move it. Now, what I've just told you is pretty useless. You can easily think that they are in your wallet. It doesn't really change much. The only way this may you know, affect your, your view of NFTs is that you can have them at the same time in two wallets. So you don't have two NFTs. You don't have a copy of the NFTs, but you have two wallets and both of them can move 
the same NFT. So are these two different wallets? No, it's just the same wallet you have installed in two different machines, maybe a phone and a computer. So we have an image and we have the NFT with the image in it. So what is the NFT itself? It's a property title. Remember that every time you hear the word NFT, do not think non-fungible token, which means, well, not much, right? Does it? Think about property title. I own this thing online. It is like a piece of paper, which proves the ownership of this thing. Okay, but it is not a piece of paper which you got from notaries. It's a piece of paper you got from the blockchain. And the blockchain acts as notaries because it's many computers confirming the same truth that you own this token. So you have an image and you have a token and the token inside of it says link to this image. So make this image represent the token, right? Where is the value in that? Why is the image valuable? Well, it is not. It has no value. The value derives from the fact that the image has a value in itself, right? So unless the image is valuable, the NFT is not valuable. Another question, do you need to have an image to have an NFT? No, you can have a video, you can have some text, you can have, well, nothing. It doesn't really matter, right? Imagine that an NFT is used to open a door. It doesn't need an image. It just needs to be an NFT, which is connected to the system which opens the door. And through the NFT, you prove the ownership. So the owner of the door decided that if you have this NFT, you can open the door. Images tend to make NFTs more palatable to most people because you see something and in our brains, you know, images are more powerful than simply text. So most NFTs have an image attached or a video or something. And, or, you know, it could be even a sound or a photography. It doesn't have to be anything specifically, but most of them have it. But again, a property title is like, it doesn't need to have a cover with a picture on it. You just need a piece of paper with some text. And the value of it is, okay, this person owns this object. And now you say, what object? Okay, the object is an image. So imagine a property title on paper, this person owns this picture. And then you define which picture. In the NFT is the same thing. This address owns this specific picture, and then you link to the picture somewhere on the web. So let's imagine that someone in the real world comes to your house and says, well, this is my house. And you say, no, this is my house. You know, it's been in my family for generations. So what do you do to settle the dispute? You both go to the land registry, right? And the land registry is the source of truth. Remember this concept, the source of truth, which says who is the owner of this house. Now the land registry says you own the house, but this person still wants to get in. So what do you do? You call the police and the police which refers to the land registry and says, no, you can't get in. This house belongs to this person. So you are the owner because the land registry certifies your ownership and because the police defends you against intruders. Now, imagine you have a picture online and this is certified by an NFT. So you have a picture you paid $1,000 and an NFT, basically you paid $1,000, which links to an image. And somebody comes and says, that's my image. And you say, no, look, I have the NFT. You can't take it. And this person right clicks and saves it on their computer. And then they upload it to their, I don't know, Twitter profile. And you say, no, that's my NFT. You can't do that. 
And they say, well, I don't care. I keep it. So what do you do here? You call the police? Mm, there's no police for NFTs. Not that I know about, right? So if there's no authority, the NFT is basically valueless. Now, is authority something which is like on a Boolean? Like, is it yes or no? There's authority or no? No, it's a range. So let's say that most people in Twitter recognize that you own the NFT because they know you. You're part of a community, right? For them and for those people only, you are the owner of the NFT. So they're going to know that you are part of this community and give some value to it. People who don't know you are not part of this community. They're going to consider your picture and, and the other person's picture exactly the same. Now, we have a little bit of authority here, but not much, right? And then one day Twitter says, we are going to add a functionality in which you can confirm the ownership of an NFT image, so of a profile picture in this case, by integrating with your wallet. And if you confirm, if you sign a message which proves your ownership of the private keys of this NFT, we're going to put, I don't know, a blue mark, a blue check mark close to your picture, which says this person owns this NFT. Okay, so now we have a bigger authority certifying that. And by the way, Twitter has already this as a plan. Okay, so we don't have police, but we have a third party big authority which is going to certify NFTs. Suddenly, NFTs become something much more valuable because you can buy one for $1,000 and you can certify that it's yours. Now, who cares that you have a $1,000 picture? Well, we're going to get to that, right? But first of all, we know the direction. We know the direction is you buy an NFT, even just an image for a profile picture, and many websites will certify that. Another one which does certify it is the ENS domain service. You know those ETH domains, like tripluka.eth, for instance? They already allow you to add an NFT to your profile, so they certify that, right? So we are clearly going into a direction where if you own an NFT, you can prove it beyond any doubt, even better than a land registry, because it's not going to be one central source of truth a bit difficult to reach, especially globally, but several sources of truth, which are going to all say the same thing. This picture belongs to this address, basically to this person. And so to people who today say, your NFT is worthless, I just right-clicked and saved it, and then I used it as a profile picture, you can say, well, your days are counted, your days are numbered. This is going to change very soon. Because the authority is emerging and NFTs are getting their law enforcement pretty soon. Now, does this make the NFT valuable? Well, it depends. If it's an ugly image and you paid it $10,000, maybe it's worth $10,000 to you only and nobody else, right? So the value doesn't derive from the certification nor the law enforcement. The NFT or the image needs to have some value given by someone, then the fact that you have an ownership of it and it's defended by some authority just makes it stronger. It makes it more solid, but it doesn't create any value at all. Let's say you bought this image for the only reason because you wanted to support the artist. You like the artist and you wanted to buy an NFT and that was a good way to give some money. So the image has value for you, but for nobody else. So you see how complicated the value aspect of NFT is, right? 
The interesting thing here is that there's many ways NFTs can absorb value after they've been built because something is connected to them. Think about access, for instance. Now, this podcast is free, but maybe one day I'm going to decide, okay, this podcast is free only for people who own my podcast NFT. So I issue a certain number of podcast NFTs and I give them out to my listeners for free. But from that day, you can access this podcast only if you have this NFT. So you have to first connect your wallet, prove the ownership of the NFT, and only then you can have access to the podcast. You see now the NFT has some value. Of course, if the podcast has some value to you. Now, imagine a situation in which people who do not own the NFT have to pay $100 a year to access it. Now the NFT is already worth $100 a year provided as a market, provided people actually want to listen to this podcast, right? And because you own the NFT and maybe you get tired of my voice and you want to, you know, change subject, you can sell the NFT for maybe $50, maybe $100. Who knows, right? That's the market. That's for the market to decide. Now, what are you going to tell to people who right-click the image connected to this specific podcast NFT and said, I have your NFT now. You say, no, you don't have my NFT because you don't have access to the podcast. So one thing NFTs are going to do for sure is give access, giving access to stuff. I made the example of podcasts, but it could be to many, 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 many other things, especially in the travel industry, and we're going to get there. Now, first of all, let's compare this to having you pay for a podcast and getting an account on my server and you getting a login and a password and again, you know, making a, a purchase for a year. And getting tired six months after that and then having say, okay, I paid for it six months. I don't want to listen to this guy anymore. And that's it. You lose six months. You, you wasted six months of subscription. While if you have an FT, you can just sell it. You see that as a technology for access, this already looks like having better value proposition than your old Web2 login and password system because it is transferable. It you have a full ownership of it. And if there's liquidity, which means there's demand, you can sell it. Think about it. This is really, really, really powerful. This is making value liquid on chain rather than keeping it siloed into somebody else's servers. This means that in Web3, you can own stuff and you can sell it and you can buy it anytime. While on Web2, as we said often, you do not own anything. Let's see some other possible ideas for access in NFT. All right. So I said, hold my NFT and I give you access to my podcast. I could say, hold my NFT and I give you access to my Telegram channel or my newsletter. Oh, or my clap. It could be an online clap or it could be even a real world clap. Oh, what? We have just applied NFTs to real world value. Yeah, you come into this club. No, it doesn't have to be a disco music club or, you know, it could be just a club for reading books or discussing about various topics. But to get into this club, you need to own this NFT. Or if you have my hotel NFTs, well, you can have my special discount, exactly the same as with my Fidelity cards. You could have access to a free breakfast or one free night uh, on a three-night booking. Or, or you buy the NFT and that gives you access to my villa for a specific week. 
So basically you bought the NFT, you made a booking. It could be a free upgrade on a flight. It could be access to an airport lounge, or it could be access to a subscription website. You know, those websites where you pay per year and you get better prices than on the OTAs. Uh, maybe they could sell NFTs instead of selling subscriptions. It's just more liquid, isn't it? And that's it. These are just a few things which came to mind. I haven't really tested all of them, right? I, I did with some of them and we don't talk about it, but you see where I'm going, right? Access is one of the very powerful things NFTs can do. So let's explore a little bit more the fidelization aspect. Like when you go to a hotel today, especially a hotel chain, they always propose you this card which gives you future discounts. It tracks basically what you've been doing in the chain, how many times you booked. The more you book, the more points you get, and uh, and then you get you know you get special treats. But once you get these cards, you can do anything with them. You can use them, but you cannot really sell them or give them to somebody else. Same things happens with the with the air flight, with the flight mines, right? What if instead of getting yet another card, which is you know a bit cumbersome to maintain, and you have to show it at a reception every time, and then you know you have to whatever you know they're not very exciting most of the times. If you could get the same perks, the same advantages, simply by holding the NFT, and then the more you go in this chain the more the NFT is valuable because they're going to track the money you spent and they're going to give you more points connected to the NFT. But the chain does something else. It says, okay, this NFT is not connected to your name only. You can sell it. So the more you travel in this hotel chain, the more the NFT is valuable and then you're going to sell it. Maybe you're going to get some good money for it. And the hotel now has a new person connected to the NFT. So the hotel chain has issued a fidelization card, fidelity card, which is probably more interesting than than the old the old system, right? And of course, they have now to serve the next person who buys this NFT, which means every promise they made on on card holders now is going to be uh, have to be maintained because people will actually all the time use it. Because now, if before I had four different Hotel chain fidelity cards, and now I have four different NFTs. Um, I won't use them, all of them, but if I sell it, somebody will use them. I guess that the hotels here are going to have to rethink a little bit their fidelity programs if they're going to use NFTs. But I don't think it can be denied that this is really interesting. It's probably much, much cheaper to implement too, because they don't have to do anything except from issuing the NFT. They don't really have to maintain. Uh, database access to a fidelity card program. So as you see, I'm going a bit deeper into detail and then and then I start to get lost because I haven't done it. I don't know how these things work exactly, but I just want to clarify and then you know enhance the fact that there is something there. And I think somebody's really thinking about it and somebody will soon come out with some fidelity NFTs. And what about bookings? Can NFTs be used for bookings? Well, maybe we tried this. Uh, we we booked um, a villa in Spain that was the first NFT booking in the world in August 2021. And we also have done the first NFT hotel booking a bit later this year. The rationale being that the booking itself is a contract between the personal books and the hotel or the villa. And uh, it represents some digital value. It's a digital asset. So 
I can sell it as an NFT. The difference is that once I buy this NFT and I want to cancel, I can try to sell the NFT instead of canceling because maybe canceling has some costs involved. While the hotel itself has already sold everything as a non-refundable. So that's a big advantage, right? This may allow hotels to pre-sell bookings for two years from now, which nobody wants to book today, to people who want to resell them. This is happening today at the corporate level, right? Some companies are buying availabilities early on at a cheaper price so they can resell them. They are basically brokers. Now, with NFTs, everybody can be a broker. Let's say I want to plan to go to Paris two years from now. You know, just maybe. Uh, I'm not going to book on Booking.com or to the hotel because, you know, best case scenario, I can cancel for free. While on the other side, for the hotel, I block the nights. It's not a win-win situation. But with an NFT, I could simply buy the NFT now. Probably the price is cheaper. And then if I go, well, I paid probably a good price. And if I don't go, I could try to sell it. And if I sell this maybe two months before the arrival date, maybe the price has gone up and I have even done some speculation. So this could open the door to incredible advancement in this field. For instance, a DAO, which specializes in buying availabilities early on. So you have people put money into this safe, they form a DAO, and they have a few people who are expert in the field and they start buying availabilities as a speculative act. So hotels are getting the liquidity immediately. They sold it. It's done. Nothing can happen to that money. They got the money already. And then whatever happens after that, it could be that nobody wants these nights. Fine. They basically have free rooms, but they got paid for it. Or maybe the speculators come back and say, look, we couldn't sell it. You want to buy it for 50%? And yeah, okay. So they're going to buy 50% and they're going to resell it for a higher price. Or maybe the speculators will sell it for a higher price which means that now the hotel has already sold it and the speculators made some money and they're going to go back and buy more liquidity, more availabilities, which are now liquid. This could, and in my opinion, will get to very interesting new structures for availabilities online because the way we're booking today is still a copy of the way we booked before. We haven't yet had real native internet bookings. We have real-world bookings, the same way that we used to do it with paper. We do it now with the internet, but we haven't yet seen what the internet can do. And with NFTs, we, we are going to see very interesting things, in my opinion. Again, what exactly? Well, it's really up to you. It's, it's an open field. You know, start experimenting, start trying, or start following what other people experiment and see if something comes out which makes sense. Another interesting development of which I'm pretty sure about is airdrops. Now, you have seen, and I told you a little bit how this works in DeFi, right? Let me refresh this. Let's say that you have used a few DeFi protocols. So now your address is on the blockchain and everybody knows that this address has interacted with these kind of protocols. And now a new protocol comes out. They have something similar. They want to reach these people and they airdrop tokens to them or maybe they are drop NFTs. So they signal to them that they exist by giving them money. People start using it, and there you go. They reach their target audience in the same way as they would have reached them through Facebook or Google. But instead of paying Facebook or Google, they are paying directly the users. Now, imagine this in the travel world. You have booked a few rooms, and you got the NFTs. 
You have booked a few villas and you got the NFTs. You have booked a few apartments or hostels and you got the NFTs. Your address has a lot of information about your preferences in terms of travel. And now a hotel chain comes in the NFT world and say, okay, I want to reach these people. And they start sending NFTs with a free breakfast or a free night, whatever, to all these addresses. Now your addresses become very precious very quickly. While in DeFi, you were getting token and airdrops and you could sell them for uh, Ethereum, Bitcoin, and then for Euro or dollars and actually pay stuff in the real world. Uh, Now we're going to get probably free nights or free breakfast or discounts. Maybe even tokens, who know? Uh, I'm sure that many hotels, uh, villas, and businesses in the travel industry will tokenize. So we're probably going to get tokens too. Which starts this you know, feedback loop in which you say, okay, the more NFTs I have about travel, the better because I'm going to be you know, rewarded. And that makes these NFTs even more valuable. In the DeFi world, people have started airdrop farming, which means they've been using protocols a lot, just trying to front run these airdrops. So they they kind of use them, not because they really wanted to, but because they said, okay, if one day they they issue a token, well, I want to be part of it. I want to get the airdrop. So we're going to see people who are going to buy as many NFT-related services and products in, in the travel industry because of that. If you are a travel company which hasn't done anything in web3 so far something very precious is building out there and it's open it's addresses on the blockchain which signal interest in something travel related it's really early on there's not really much out there but it is going to happen more and more and you're going to be able to tap into it so we've seen the potential and i'm pretty sure about it but let's say potential raise of uh NFT speculators for availabilities, maybe in the form of DAOs. We have seen the potential raise of NFT collectors for the travel industry, and I'm going to be one of them. I guarantee you that. This will give more reasons for companies to tokenize or creating specific NFTs in the travel industry. And this is probably 1% of what's going to happen in the next 5 to 10 years. Again, it's, it's like we know that Beyond the mountains, there's going to be another beach on the other side. We don't know when we get there. That's kind of the mindset I'm, I'm in right now. Now, let's do an attitude check here, okay? So some of you listening to this were probably thinking, oh, come on, this cannot work. Of course, yeah, NFTs are not the best way to do bookings. Why would I want to issue an NFT, which then can be transferred? I want to know who comes to my hotel or to my apartment and so on. Now, this is the wrong mindset. I mean, these are just little ideas. They are at the sprout level. They're just, you know, they've come out of my mind and some other people's minds. They haven't been told true. They haven't been battle tested. They are very weak, but they are little plants and they may grow. You don't want to stomp on them, okay? You you want to see what can be done. Why? Because even if there's a small chance that that specific idea has any sense, there's probably other ideas which have sense. So instead of spending your time and your mental energy to hit on those ideas, let them grow. Let's see what comes out of it. Out of hundreds of them, maybe only one will, will be valuable. You want to be there with an open mind when this happens. Right? Or maybe you want to be the person who has this idea. Now, this is not to say that you don't have to be 
skeptical about this. You have to be skeptical, but skeptical doesn't mean kill the idea and dismiss it completely and look back, right? Skeptical means, okay, nice idea. Let me think why it cannot work and let me think why it can work and let's see if we can do something better. And I say this because when I go out there and I share these kind of ideas, I get the both of them. And, and then I get the other extreme, which is like, yeah, this is going to change the world exactly in the way you just describe it. You nail it from day zero. And you know this cannot be true. You know that even the uses we were thinking for the internet when it was born were, you know, most of them were just like, they never happened or they, they, they were not the best thing things coming out of the internet, right? So again, you need to be skeptical, but you need to be open and positive about it. You need to be pro-positive mostly. We are here to build. Again, let's go back to the analogy of the travel to West. You cannot start complaining because it starts raining. And if you start saying, you see, I told you it was going to rain. I told you it's going to be hard. Let's go back. You're not going to go far, right? Does it mean that people who go ahead won't die? Yeah, many will die. But somebody at the end will reach the other coast and that's going to make the whole difference. So attitude is everything in this field because it is a very early time for, for those things. And of course, the perception can be distorted by the fact that when people talk about NFTs, it's always like NFTs are going to change everything. They are the best thing ever happened to humanity and stuff like this. It is not this. It's just a technology and we have to find ways in which we can use it to improve things. And always remember, it's still early. The adoption of wallets is still very low, probably below 10% which means whatever you do with NFTs today in the travel space will not really be massively successful because even if you reach 100% of people in travel with wallets, you have reached 10% of people in travel. It is really little. It doesn't have critical mass, etc. What you can do is to prepare for when mass adoption comes and it takes time to learn these things. It takes time to experiment. It's a lot of fun, of course, but you know, we know this is going to happen. We know that adoption is coming. Mass adoption is coming. That's kind of a guarantee. Or at least you can have this as a basic thesis on your journey. So you know that people will move from the east to the west. You just get there before them and prepare everything, right? So then later maybe you can sell them your hotel room. And if you go to any travel conference and you start to talk to people about Web3, crypto in general, you will realize quickly that the few people who actually are into it haven't even started thinking about applications for NFTs in uh, in travel, right? So really, really early, which is, again, I, I said this a few times, it's an incredible opportunity. It means you're going to do a lot of failed experiments, waste a lot of energy, probably waste a lot of money, but learn a lot. So the way I see this is like, and that's, that's what I've been doing for the last four years. You know, I'm going to do stuff which is not bringing any money, is costing me time, is costing me money, but is giving me back a lot of knowledge. So it's basically like paying for education. And since there's no real formal education on these subjects, it's the best way to do it. And then just a few years into this, it became apparent that we are actually paid to do this through airdrops. It's crazy, right? In Web3, you experiment things and then you get paid through airdrops. It's become so common and so often it is almost like, you know, a grant is it's really incredible. And I think we're going to see the same thing in the travel industry. So if you are at the forefront, if you're experimenting with stuff, you're going to be rewarded handsomely. Paid to learn. 
you see how far we are from the mindset of 2017 and 18, for instance, where people would buy tokens. So they go up in value and they sell them so they get more dollars. I'm completely out of this mindset. My mindset today is we are going into a new world, and I've done this analogy a few times. We are acquiring pieces of this new world in the form of tokens and NFTs, which represent maybe pieces of land in a way. So we are acquiring digital assets in the same way as the explorers acquired land as an asset. So there is no going back here. There's no let's get into this thing so we can get more dollars and have you know more money. The value is moving away from the dollar, the euro, and you know all these constructions at the end of the day, which allow us to buy real things. Value is moving into digital assets. Does it mean I can buy bread with an NFT? No, of course, it's a very long transition. So make sure you do have euros, dollars, and other, and other currencies you need to buy to buy bread, right? But your assets are going to be more and more digital. And this learning journey, which we're going through, will allow you to acquire more digital assets for, for the future. And as with everything else in in cryptocurrencies, be careful because there's a lot of noise about short-term trading. You know, buy this token, it goes up 100%, then you sell it and you made the money. This is really dangerous. Think about this. You buy an NFT for $1 and it goes to $100. You have made $99. Where does this money come from? It comes from 99 people who put $1 and lost it. Or it comes from one person who comes in at 99 and then we'll not be able to sell it more than 99. Maybe it goes back to one. So the short-term speculative approach to cryptocurrency could be really powerful, but it's also really, really dangerous. And experienced traders can do that. We will see, if you get into this, you will see 100x on some things you bought. It's going to happen. But it's going to happen if you don't sell them early, which means you have to get out of the short-term trade, right? Imagine you buy something for one and it goes to two. Imagine you put $1,000 into something and it goes to 2000 Are you going to sell it? Are you going to sell that NFT for 2000 Probably yes. You just doubled. Maybe you're going to sell half of it, right? So you go back, you get back your principal. What if it goes to 10000 Wow, you put $1,000, now it's worth $10,000. you are going to probably sell it. What if it goes to fifty? So before it gets $100,000, you probably have sold it. So if your mindset was short-term trading, you probably sell too early anyway, even if you come out on top of this. And to trade short-term, you need to understand how market works. You need to have a very clear picture and you need to not to be swayed by emotions. It's really hard. The long-term view, the five-year, 10-year view is much easier. You think that this NFT, this specific NFT is going to be valuable because it's just the first of a series of NFTs in the same field and you decide from the beginning to hold it for at least five years and see what happens, you're not going to sell it at 10000 not 100000 You're just going to start thinking about selling it much, much later. And while you hold it, maybe this is going to attract airdrops and other NFTs. See what I mean? Much, much easier. Because in the long-term view, you need to understand the fundamentals. You can you know, take your time Go deeper in things you enjoy and you understand, and then the value will accrue and will grow on what you already have. 
Does it mean you will never lose money? Yeah, it means that sometimes you're going to have NFTs which are worth, you, you paid $100, they, then they're worth $1,000, then they go back to 10 and you lost 90% of your investment. This will happen. But the long-term approach allows you to really understand the industry and not the markets. You can focus on the industry itself and do not worry too much about what speculators do. You will always make less than you could have and you would always lose more than you should have. It, it's, there's never a perfect thing here. But what matters is that you get into this, you understand things, you don't lose money. That's the first rule. You never have to lose money in total, in aggregate. And in your journey, you learn as much as you can. And trying to be a builder, trying to do something which actually brings value to this market, trying to, together with others, make the whole thing more efficient for everybody, this is relatively easy. Because again, it's really early. We haven't seen anything in terms of how much money is going to be funneled into travel web tree. Nothing. We are at 0.1 and it's going to go to 1,000. So there's basically only one way to lose here is to trade and to speculate short term. Anything else is basically impossible to lose. I mean, in aggregate, right? You do 100 things, a few of them will be money losers and a few will be winners. But in aggregate, to lose in this market is basically impossible. Especially if you know that things grow and then they crash and then they grow and they crash. Okay, so that's my approach, my personal approach. This is, of course, not financial advice. Actually, my advice is not put, don't put money into this stuff for a while until you understand it and only put money in things you believe for the long term. Let me close with an image. You are sitting in front of a computer. And there's a picture in it and you're sitting, you know, the right distance and the picture is really, really clear. And then you get closer to the screen, closer and closer and closer until your nose touches the screen and all you see is pixels and you don't understand what the picture is. If you are short term trading, then your nose is glued to the screen. You don't see anything. You need to be an expert in looking at pixels. You need to have specific knowledge and training and experience. So it is really dangerous. But if you go back and you look at the whole picture, you will see that this thing will grow. You will see that it will crash and you will see that it will grow again. And you just do what you have to do and you are going to be okay. So not a difficult place to be. If you stay at the right distance, long-term view. My personal view is always five years ahead. It's never less than that. You may decide to have a slightly different view, maybe shorter, maybe longer, but this is the basic concept. Don't get too close to the action. Decide the distance, decide how far into the future you want to look at this. Do not listen to the people who made a lot of money very quickly. It's not going to happen for you probably. And build your assets on Web3, build your space. It's still wide open. Just the fact that you're listening to this podcast already sets you apart from the majority of people in the travel space. So good place to be. It's going to be fun. See you next time. All right, this is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at TripLuca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A. And see you next time.